0: all right welcome to today's episode on life in the front office i'm your host jake Hirschman, here with ashley chalk of complexity gaming uh, vp of partnerships and really excited to talk to her about her career path her journey and how she got to esports and uh, i feel like with with a couple of the people we've had on the podcast their journeys always go through pro sports entertainment of some sort uh prior to getting to esports i We'll we'll talk to Ashley about her journey, but I don't think she woke up a gamer. Uh, That may surprise us. We'll we'll see. But I know she was a student-athlete, so um, my guess is not. Uh, Ashley, welcome to the podcast.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Jake. Thank you.
0: (laughs) So you got to answer the first question. Did you wake up a gamer?
1: (laughs) No, I did not, but I did wake up Christmas morning uh, when I was – how old was I? Six and a half years old living in El Paso, Texas, um, screaming excitement um, when I opened up my NES Nintendo system and uh, stayed up all night playing Super Mario Brothers. But, um, you know, I, I always laugh with these guys, you know, these professional gamers on the PC gaming, like who knew that it was ever going to evolve to that. But um the reality is like my extent still is probably mario kart um uh, from that standpoint but uh but yeah definitely didn't wake up a gamer uh, but definitely have an appreciation for it
0: all right so our listeners are probably going i don't necessarily want to know uh who your favorite mario kart player is but i'm going to ask you anyways so uh, i was a i was a big uh toad fan because no toad went super fast i don't what's what were you, what was your go-to
1: it was Luigi, just because I love okay. to hear all the sound effects when they would say <laughs> his name, Luigi, and I'm not going to do it to um, give my older sister one more <laughs> thing to make fun of me about. Um, but yeah, it was Luigi.
0: <laughs> that's great. That's that's probably the backup. So I, I I definitely respect that decision. All right, let's dive into a little bit of your career path uh, because it, I, it's probably a little bit unorthodox in the sense of, you know, going from the pro sports world. Uh, And at the end of the day, our industry is sports and entertainment. A lot of people sometimes forget about that. We call it sports business, but it's sports and entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, So just give our listeners a little insight as to how you started uh, and kind of where it led you uh, to esports eventually.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like it's been my entire life's journey, if you will. And um, to your point, anytime anybody asks me, you know, what I do, I see sports and live entertainment because it's really what it encompasses and what my whole journey um, has been. But played sports growing up, was exposed to that. Um, played tennis, um, tried playing basketball. Um, <laughs> but I left that to my, my dad and my sister to, to play hoops. And um, I excelled at at tennis, but at a young age, um, I just had this passion for the sports industry. I don't know if it was because of, you know, seeing Michael Jordan, the Gatorade commercials, um, but just everything that came with the industry as a whole and wanting to get into it somehow or another, but not really understanding yet what that meant. You know, when I was in school, these sports business management, you know, programs that they didn't exist, you know, from that standpoint. So for me, it was playing sports and continuing to, you know, set those goals of understanding, you know, what is it going to take for me to, to dip my toe into this industry? And where that first opportunity came was actually with an internship with Walt Disney World. And a lot of people, you know, scratch their heads and are like, oh, Disney, I'm like, absolutely. Because my, in my head, it was a path to um, enter into ESPN, knowing that at that time, you know, the Walt Disney World um, company encompassed that aspect of their business. So started with my internship at Disney. It really, um, laid a foundation for me, um, you know, for, uh, dealing with people and quite frankly, that live entertainment, um, first look, uh, from that, from that standpoint. And then from there where I really earned my stripes, I would like to say was in minor league baseball, you know, minor league baseball really set the tone of, um, of where I said, Hey, sales, um, is going to be my path. In um, minor league baseball, as anybody that's listening and has been in this world know that you know you do about anything and everything um, in minor league baseball. Pull tarp, you know, roll hot dogs. Um, I was crashed the River Rascal at the West Michigan Whitecaps, you know, uh, Detroit Tigers minor league team, and um, you, you really understand that, and that's where I hit the ground and had incredible leadership, um, and, and really knew that hey, sales was going to be the path for me, um, and knowing that sponsorship too was going to be. Um, eventually where I wanted to land into. Um, again that uncon- unconventional path but I think very much even though I've experienced different um, entities it's definitely been a continued path for me and my growth in in sales and partnerships and so from there I got the opportunity to work for International Speedway Corporation uh, which is now obviously under the NASCAR umbrella but started at Daytona International Speedway that on California at Auto Club Speedway um, racetrack. Um, and so that was more into you know hospitality, the sponsorship, um, and just continuing that growth um, before the crazy world of theme parks came calling um, back again, you know, and never thought in a million years I would deal with a the theme park after my Disney internship. Um, but was able to open up Legoland Florida Resort, work with another incredible IP. Understand, you know, opportunities to continue to develop successful partnerships for that park and beyond that for the Merlin Entertainment Group portfolio. Um, did that for a couple of years and loved and it. I gotta, um, I
0: gotta stop you real yeah. quick because Legoland, our our co- one of our co-hosts, Pat Gallagher, famously started his career at SeaWorld, right? So okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, now he wasn't he wasn't selling partnerships and, and whatnot. he will tell you, his was a little bit different. Um, but you know, I think. One of the things that stands out so far as I'm listening is you weren't afraid to just go and chase the opportunity, right? You weren't thinking about how would I be perceived if I went and worked at Legoland or NASCAR and being a female in in sales, right? Just kind of start your career in that respect. Um, Talk a little bit about that perspective or that approach that you had as you started to evolve through some of the roles that you did.
1: Yeah, I think my foundation was set for my dad, you know, and I think my my dad was somebody that I looked up to of how he started his career, um, you know, came from nothing and worked his way, you know, through through college and becoming an executive at General Motors. And, you know, that got instilled in me at a very young age. So when those opportunities were put in front of me, I worked them for every last bit and tried to just be a sponge in learning. And always would quickly pick up on who I needed to lean on um, to continue my growth, you know, whether it was from a mentor standpoint, a leader or somebody else that was just absolutely phenomenal at what they did within that sales and sponsorship standpoint um, for me to continue to observe, you know, being a female um, at that standpoint, you know, back being a female in those days um, in motorsports. you know. I was young and just so excited. Like I didn't care if I was a girl or you know what have you. Like I was Ashley Chalk, and I was there to prove that I'm gonna kick butt at what I'm doing, and I'm going to you know do what I was hired to do, but um, you know blow it out of the water in a different sense, and to continue to find you know where those areas of growth growth are. I was fortunate that you know, from that motorsports to theme park transition was a phone call from, uh, from an incredible female that I got to work with when I was at Daytona National Speedway in my early 20s, and funny enough, she came from the SeaWorld Park um, uh, background as well, so there must be some, like, SeaWorld synergy there, but she's phenomenal, Kim Eisman, Kim Salter, so she brought me on board, you know, to the opening team there at Legoland, and I think, if anything, it's, for me and my path and my journey and the opportunities that have presented themselves um, has been through, you know, maintaining those legit relationships, you know, it's one thing to to network, but it's also to network that network and maintaining those relationships and having those, um, that great buzzword, everybody loves to use authentic connections, you know, but it's true and having those people in your corner and and, and keeping that up. Cause I, I truly believe, you know, that's a testament to anybody's career path. Um, it's those people really that lead you to those next steps because they believe in you and they see the growth, growth potential.
0: Yeah. It's, I'm going to take this from a, a book. I was actually uh, reading uh, this past week and called Relationomics. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. It was all about relationships and, and partnerships and kind of how they, how they evolve in and outside of, you know, work and, one of the terms that that the author used was net weaving. So there's, and I had never heard of this before, but I I think it's fascinating. It's, you know, networking. Yes. You're meeting new people and you're consistently building relationships and and whatnot, but net weaving is taking it to that next level and being able to take the network that you, that you were just talking about, the legit relationships that you have and actually put them to work. Right. And it's not just, Hey, I know so-and-so it's, How could this person help me or how could I help them and are there business avenues that we could work together you know down the road Um, or is there a way that this person can uh, weave in their network to mine right was kind of the concept it was you know how can my network plus theirs you know ultimately make uh, partnerships happen or a successful working relationship would be interested to kind of get your thoughts and uh, obviously it's a curveball we, we I didn't prep you on this one but it just came to my head
1: yeah I didn't read that book <laughs> but um but no I I would I agree with you on that 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 um mindset because everybody that comes across our path and, I, and I'm speaking from a professional standpoint but it's also very applicable from a personal standpoint you know we align ourselves with people that Um, we should be choosing to align ourselves with that make us better, that challenge us, etc. And that's what I've always tried to do with, you know, the friends that surround me. And then from those in my professional network that have grown me and, and, and been those mentors. But yeah, absolutely. It's also not knowing you know, um for instance, like I know you you interviewed Gerald Jones, you know, in the past Gerald worked with me at Feld Entertainment for a couple of years and and you just never know where people are going to go next in their career. And when you make those connections, it's 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 always key to keep up with those folks because you don't know where they're going to land. You don't know how they could support you in your next role when you might be needing to get to that decision maker to close a deal or to Find the next person that you need to have a qualified person on on your team. So, yeah, the that whole concept can be applied in, in so many different in so many different ways. Um, that can be beneficial in so many different ways. But I think it's also you've got to take a step back and ensure that you know for as many times that you're asking for that support, um, that you're also giving it back tenfold. Um, you know, for all of those um, favors, if you will, because there's. <laughs> there's a ton that float around there in the industry and you need to do your due diligence on both sides of the fence.
0: No, absolutely. And as you think about your transition from Feld Entertainment, which just briefly talk about some of the properties you worked with and then going to esports, like taking that network with you, just touch on how it was able to transfer from place to place to place because the contexts were a little bit different.
1: Yeah, it was very different. Um, you know, Feld Entertainment, it's one of the largest uh, fa- live family entertainment companies in the world. Um, they've been around for 50 plus years. Uh, their foundation was Ringling Barnum Bailey Circus um, that we all, you know, used to know. Um, and then they have this incredible portfolio of IPs that they bring to life through live entertainment, such as Disney on Ice, Marvel Universe Live. Sesame Street Live, and then they had a motorsports division of Monster Jam, right? We all uh, know Monster Jam, which has been around. They acquired that business in 2009, along with Supercross, um, the two-wheel dirt bike racing. So it was an incredible opportunity, again, to be with a company that had this diverse portfolio to sell against. And I, I had that same experience when I was at Merlin Entertainment Group. You know, Legoland Theme Parks was just one of many in their toolbox. Um, within their portfolio that I was able to sell against, um, so already like having that like that mindset, if you will, of having a broader uh, approach when you're looking at opportunities from a partnership standpoint. So from an esports piece, now you know complexity. What drew me to complexity um, was it's in that same piece. Even though complexity is one team within esports. Complexity has a portfolio of nine plus different games that we either compete in or we're creating content around, which is a huge point of differentiation for our team versus some of the other teams, which may only be, you know, uh, competing in League of Legends or just Counter-Strike, you know, from that standpoint. So um, that's a great um, uh, transition piece, you know, for me to have that. And then that network from live entertainment it's reconnecting with those folks and allowing them to reimagine what live entertainment what that definition of live entertainment means when it comes to esports because at the end of the day esports is live entertainment it's just consumed in a different capacity you know from that standpoint when you're watching them live on these twitch streams competing it is a form of live entertainment so it is um just a, a another um, language that you have to educate folks on, and um, you know hold their hand and lead them to the water, if you will, um, to understand that. But it, it is—it's just another form of live entertainment, and so there was just a natural trans, um, transition from from those connections and, and maintaining those and having those conversations and reintroducing them to a new set of opportunities.
0: What's been the biggest difference working in esports now for a couple of years to where you've understood? the audience a little bit differently, right? Or uh, the platforms well enough to, to, to say, hey, this is kind of the foundations of esports, right? Uh, there's a lot of complex aspects of it, whether it's the platform itself that some people understand very well, some people don't at all, um, or wouldn't even know where to access you know, it, uh, as opposed to you know, partners wanting to get involved in understanding the audiences uh, that are tuning into these live entertainments.
1: Yeah, so just to clarify, I just started in eSports this year. Um, so nothing like starting in a new industry, um, you know, in 2020 and right when a pandemic hits. But um, with all that being said, you know, from the eSports, um, you know, reach um, and the demographics and everything that it has to, to offer to someone, it it's truly can be customized down to what is that partner, especially if we're speaking from a non-endemic partner looking to get into the eSports space, you know, right, what are you trying to accomplish from that standpoint? Because what's so unique about esports is that there's so many different ways that you can bring that story um, and create that narrative um, and bringing that to life. Um, Yeah, we have all of the incredible live activation um, components, but, you know, looking just from complexity from a team standpoint, you have the team associations that a partner can get involved with and how that evolves can be a, a plethora of different things. Um, going back to obviously our team complexity, we, are, we have the competitive roster of folks that are competing. So you have that dynamic, but we also have another bucket of content creators and influencers that, can, um, that are still, com, that still um, gaming from like a Fortnite standpoint or Valorant, et cetera, but they're not in those big competitions. But what they can do is bring a brand to life in a completely different way, um, you know, for an organization and become an extension of that narrative when a brand comes in to partner with um, one of the teams um, within complexity or within a specific um, team itself. What's really unique about esports, a really crazy stat is... 81% 81% of folks that um, watch video games um, are, or compete in, ga- in video games um, from a casual gamer standpoint are just following one um, genre or one gaming title. So it's very interesting when you, again, when I'm having conversations with brands and they hear that, sometimes then they start to say, okay, well, a team like complexity and these teams that have that type of diverse portfolio with all these different gaming offerings and these content creators, can really provide a broader um, uh, approach to how they start to activate uh, within this space. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it, it's a multi prong approach. I mean, it's it, it is it's that that three sixty approach that you hear a lot of people talk in in other industries, but really getting it um, refined um, based on what they're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, you know, I was thinking you did start in twenty twenty. But 2020 is like four years, so we'll just count that. It seems <laughs> it's like, like it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll count that as four years of experience in this book right now. Um, you know, as you think about the, the places in which you've moved, I think I, I find this always fascinating, right? Going from different place to place to place, kind of through your journey uh, for you, literally coast to coast, right? L.A. to Florida. Um, what's been the biggest piece of advice you've been given or that you would give along the way about, you know, transitioning from, from one place to another. Um, And then also, you know, from the perspective of kind of hitting the ground running when you get to somewhere new, right? Just like you have been at complexity. uh, What's that one other piece of advice that you would give to people who are going to go and start something fresh and they got to hit the ground running and make that impression uh, right away?
1: Yeah, so to hit on your first question of going like coast to coast and, you know, just using those experiences, um, you know, I've just always learned to be flexible, Um, you know, when you approach a a new opportunity coming in there to be open-minded, you know, my biggest thing too from anybody coming in and, and your second part of that question as well is, you know, just sometimes when you start these new opportunities, yes, it's, it's definitely nece- um, a necessity to hit the ground running. You want to prove yourself, but I think it's very, very important. This was a, a really solid piece of advice that I was given at an early age um, um, in my career is you've got to not come in like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> you know, you really sometimes need to pause and observe and gather you know, the facts and understand how things maneuver within that organization um, because you know you were hired to do the job, right? So you're already there, right? They know that you're capable of doing that, um, but you also need to pause and understand really then that that how the company, that culture, how the team that you're with, how everything is being um, integrated in to ensure that you're going to be um, as successful as possible. Because especially when it comes to partnerships and sales, no matter where you're at working from home, you know, West Coast, East Coast, or or what have you, first day on your job or six months into your job, All of the teams around you, all of the different key stakeholders, all the different business channels within that that organization that you represent play such an important role in the success of launching a partnership, retaining that partnership, renewing that partnership, etc. So, you know, starting off and coming in and taking a step back and knowing where you need to start building those key relationships and not coming in like a bull in a china shop. Is really it's a it's a long term play um, from that standpoint, but um, I I'm a huge encourager of you know people you know taking those risks of moving to new locations to experience those new job opportunities as well because that that's what grows you with those experiences as well and that's why I'm a firm believer in internships as well um, you know we're going through an interview process right now for some open roles on my team. And it's just so exciting being able to talk to so many folks from all different types of backgrounds, not just esports backgrounds, but seeing a lot of these, you know, younger 20 something year olds that really have invested their time in internships and, and, you know, what that has done for them um, to give them that grit to just get after it and wanna do what it takes, you know, to be successful.
0: Yeah, going back to that internship comment, what's one thing that you learned from Disney that you've taken with you throughout your career,
1: patience. Oh my, patience. Lots of patience. When you get asked what time is the three three o'clock parade on a daily basis, um, you know I, the the empathy that you have for these dads and moms that look extremely stressed out. You know, allowed me to go back and say thank you to my mom and dad many times over for all the years they had to endure. You know, taking me to Disney, but. I, I truly believe it was just a new level of patience. You know, I worked on um, the attraction side, so I wasn't kidding around about you know Space Mountain, and I, I really did work at Space Mountain. And then I also worked in Tomorrowland at the Indy Speed um, Speedway car attraction. And there's just you're juggling so many different aspects from a hospitality perspective and engagement with with other people of all walks of life. Doesn't matter where you come from, you know, when you walk into Disney World, there's an expectation, you know, from, um, what that experience is. And it's, it it is that daily reminder of patience, you know, when these families are stressed, you know, these kids that are screaming and, you know, they deserve the same experience as, you know, the next family whose kids are maybe a lot more well behaved, you know, but yeah, it, it was, it was really patience. Um. And then the secondary piece of that patience aspect was knowing that this wasn't the end game for me, you know, continuing to you know be at Space Mountain or Tomorrowland Indy Speedway, you know. And it was the patience of knowing like that next opportunity would present itself for that next um, step for my career for that growth um, from that piece. So yeah, pa- patience would be would be the be the lesson learned from that. <laughs>
0: Well, into that last point you made, and then we'll get into some rapid fire, of course. But you know, the, the last point you made was yes, the opportunity will present itself. But there's kind of that misconception of like you can't just sit back and do nothing and expect it to come. Correct. There's a little bit of like a fine balance of you know, not aggressiveness, but just um, the the approach that needs to be taken to build the network, build relationships, et cetera do good work, obviously, uh, and then kind of just have the eyes wide open kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the ears open, I should say. You know, how did you go about that? Because it's, it's a, it is a, a, a line that's kind of hard to straddle sometimes, right? Because, you know, there are people in the industry that will tell you, and we've had many people on the podcast will say, you know, after the first job, I never interviewed for one after that, right? Because the person poached them but it wasn't them just sitting there going hey i'm the greatest like come pick me right i mean there's yeah. there's a little bit of a balance there
1: yeah no um and again i think we were talking about that earlier with you know the your network and how you nurture that network and what that you know can provide where you don't necessarily have to go through formal interviews or you get a phone call to be part of a you know a new opportunity but You know, one thing for me personally that, you know, good lessons that came from it, some challenging lessons that came from it is, you know, my loyalty. Like I'm an extremely loyal person. And what I had to learn at a young age is you can be as loyal as you want. um, But at the end of the day, business is business. You know, companies are still going to be companies and um, you have to take care of yourself and you have to look out for number one. So it is absolutely imperative that you put that insulation around you of these incredible people, these mentors, these leaders, these folks that you want to align yourself with. But if you're not looking out for yourself and you're not positioning yourself and being the biggest advocate for yourself, no one else is going to do that for you um, from that standpoint. So um yeah it's it is unbelievable to think that people still sit back and say well i did this so somebody's going to come find me or what have you like i just don't know how people operate in that capacity um because it's just you know they must have amazing luck um but uh yeah you you have to work for that you have to continue to prove yourself and you should always be in that mindset i don't care if you're an svp CEO or, you know, your name's on the front of the door, right? You still, there's still a position that you have to play of if your name's on that door to represent, um, you know, that hard work because you want that team behind you to have that same mindset, you know, to continue to succeed, you know, from that standpoint. But Yeah, it's, it's, you got to look out for your, and be your number one advocate in positioning yourself because nothing's just handed to you uh, from that bit. There, there's work that goes into it.
0: (laughs) Always, always hard work will, will then yield results, right? So uh, I think a perfect segue into a good rapid fire to wrap up the episode. Uh, You talked about number one, uh, and we started this, this episode off asking about if you were a gamer. So now that you've been in esports for a little bit, What's your favorite game?
1: To watch Counter Strike, uh, to to attempt to play and think that I am somewhat um, having fun with it. I'm Fortnite. I don't care. I mean, Fortnite is is still fun. I don't care how old you are.
0: that's great okay uh obviously Disney with the theme parks there you've got your different shows with Feld uh Legoland what's the what's the favorite theme park and and also ride to go on
1: oh man you're really putting me on the spot here so uh From a theme park ride, I will have to say rock and roller coaster at what was used to be known as the MGM Studios, but now the Disney Hollywood Studios. I am a massive fan of music, so to have Aerosmith blaring into your ears while you're doing an upside (laughs) down roller coaster loop is right up my alley. So um, absolutely from that standpoint. Favorite theme park. Um, My favorite theme park is actually in the UK. It's called Thorpe Park. It was one of the parks within the Merlin Entertainment's portfolio. And the reason why is because they had coasters there um, that were even crazier and faster than what you could find at Cedar Point. So that's, uh, that's what different, I Different,
0: different guidelines, different, <laughs> different rules. I mean,
1: I don't know. <laughs> aer-
0: aerodynamics must have played a, played a, a factor in that one. All right. So you talked about, um, you know, going from, from opportunity to opportunity, um, uh, what's the place, uh, outside of the United States that you would like to go to?
1: That I would like to go to that I have not visited quite yet? Correct. Oh, that is a excellent question. Um, Oh, wow. I think about this often, but I would have to say um, uh, South Africa. South Africa is a location um, that I've always wanted um, to go see the beauty. um, Actually, we had a colleague at Feld that was from there as well. Um, but South Africa has been a place that um, I've, I've wanted to see for a multitude of reasons because of the beauty and everything that it, it consists of. Um, my dad got to go there um, during his career, but unfortunately didn't go, wasn't able to make that trip uh, from that standpoint, but that would be the next location. And I absolutely love traveling out of the country. So um, that would probably be at the top of the list.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, all right. You've got esports, you've got live entertainment, you've got NASCAR. What's one sport that you haven't been involved with that you're like, oh, that's really interesting. That that business model is kind of different or unique. UFC. Oh. Yeah. Go just going to Fight Island, right? I
1: mean. <laughs> yeah. I um I, I mean, I yeah, I started watching UFC back when they had, you know, just the three rules, you know, no biting, eye eye gouging, and then, you know, the other one. And um it's just been an incredibly fascinating business to watch grow um, and what they've accomplished. I know it's a, it's a very violent sport to, to many, um, but at the same token, I think from looking at it from a business aspect of how it's grown, how they've evolved to within this pandemic in 2020 to still continue their fights and still to capitalize on their brand um has been uh has been impressive so yeah the UFC has always been one that I I keep my eye on with what they do for a partnership integration and um uh, everything else in between.
0: No that's super interesting um all right everyone talks about going to you know their favorite live event you know the Super Bowl or or this concert or that what's the favorite live event that you've been to?
1: Oh, when I, I will never forget the feeling. Um, it was when I was walking into the national college football championship game when university of Texas was playing Alabama. Um, I had an awesome boss back at auto club speedway that knew that I was a huge Texas Longhorns college football fan and um, took me with his family to that game. And I, it was just an energy that I hadn't experienced before and obviously, as we all work within this incredible industry, we've all been afforded some in, some pretty amazing experiences to see different things and experience different things. Um, but for some reason, that one was something I had just never felt before um, and just love the, the crowd, the energy um, probably had a lot to do with the passionate Alabama fans and the passionate Texas fans, but um, even though that was a game Colt McCoy got hurt in the first quarter and you know, I put my hoodie up and pouted like a two year old when he walked off the field, I still had a great experience and it was definitely um a, a moment that I'll never forget walking into that stadium and being part of that uh, being part of that game.
0: All right, last question for you. You know, as you think about the the various sports that exist from an esports perspective. Um, what's what's kind of the next one you got your eye on in terms of whether it's a game, whether it's you know, it, it might be a, a different league and a different sport, but something to attract a different audience.
1: That's a great question. I mean, it's a it's a big conversation that's being had. Of you know, it's it's not necessarily what the next sport is. Is how are we continuing to humanize the world of esports? You know, what are what are we doing to continue to attract a new viewer, right? The new demo that isn't the hardcore gamer and not even maybe the casual gamer. And it's being accomplished thus far, you know, with these partnerships that are happening that Twitch has done during New York Fashion Week with Burberry and broadcasting, you know, live fashion show, the music integration that's coming in where you've got concerts like Travis Scott did a concert prior to one of um, the tournaments, you know, and having that type of integration that live entertainment component, the traditional live entertainment component is probably the best way to put it. That integration coming into eSports, that will be and will continue to be the new quote unquote sport that gets um, integrated into. I think you'll constantly have these new games that are created by these publishers like Valorant, you know, that was um, recently published um, that has um, created some new teams around it. I think the motorsports piece will continue to grow. But ultimately, I think the, the overarching piece of how those come to life, what are the activation elements that are taking place before, during, and after the actual gaming competitions is going to be the continued evolution of what eSports is, is going to do and, and continue the success of having these big brands um, um, in that non-endemic space coming in um, and really giving it a new, a new flavor.
0: No, that's a great insight and uh i know our listeners will appreciate that we'll all keep our eyes open for the next thing Uh, i know that i'm sure there will be a super smash bros uh some sort of circuit right i mean like for you that's probably the dream you've got mario kart plus ufc i mean that's that's it right there
1: well it's it's incredible to see on the collegiate level i mean the smash brothers uh excuse me smash bros um on the collegiate level is booming i mean these schools that have these teams that are competing um you know, all over the country. So who who knows what what will evolve?
0: <laughs> never know, never know. Yep. Um, as you you know, appreciate the appreciate the time, uh, the insights. Uh, really enjoy hearing about your journey, and I know our listeners will as well. Um, Ashley, thank you so much.
1: You bet. Thank you, Jake.